0: Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular Religious Hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up and I thank you for being here with me. everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. Today we are going to be hitting on a more of a hot button topic of abortion and being pro-life. Today I have a friend of mine joining us, Savannah Dudzik. She is a communications intern at the Illinois' Right to Life organization and is also a counselor for Let Them Live. Welcome Savannah and thank you for being here with us. Hello, thank you for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. Uh, why don't you start by telling us a little
1: about yourself? All right, so my name is Savannah Dudzik, and as Amber said, I am currently a communications intern at Illinois Right to Life. I'm also a volunteer pregnancy counselor with Let Them Live. Also, I'm currently the social media for McKenney County Right to Life and the Secretary of Chicago Pro-Life Future. In my free time, I enjoy helping to run the young adult group at my church, and I also love training my dog and singing. I've been in around 12 different choirs, although I'm not currently in a choir.
0: That's awesome, thank you. And it's honestly just great to have like this topic because I haven't touched on this yet in my podcast. So it's great to have you here. So why don't you tell us a little bit of like how and why you got involved in the pro-life movement?
1: Okay, so I haven't, or I have always been involved in the pro-life movement. My dad was um, one of the members of a pro-life group at my church when I was younger. And I would often help him with rose sales on Mother's Day. And the funds that we raised from there would go to a local women's center. So that's where I first learned about the pro-life movement. But then throughout high school and now throughout college and after college, I've just become much more involved. Pro-life and the pro-life ideology is something I'm so passionate about. And I believe that every life that is saved makes a huge difference. And that's why I'm devoting my life to this particular issue right now.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, I think we can all learn a lot from just giving ourselves to these movements where we're trying to help the mothers in need, but also those babies that are innocent and they don't deserve, you know, the fate of death, especially in a lot of these. um, I don't know, just it's a very confusing world. I feel like a lot of women are lied to about abortion and things of that nature. But then there's some that aren't, and they actually, you know, believe that they're doing the right thing. It's it's very interesting, but as you said, you sidewalk counsel, correct? Yes, I do. Okay, perfect, and I know we just did a sidewalk counseling thing last week with um, an yes, organization. Yeah, do you have any um, sidewalk counseling or pro-life
1: stories to share? Well, there are so many, and definitely, What we did last week was different from what I've done before. So I tend to sidewalk counsel at the Aurora Abortion Clinic. That's the one I've mostly done it at. I've only been sidewalk counseling for around a year, but this past weekend we went to the um, one of the Chicago abortion clinics and that experience was very, very different, very crazy because you could really sense the hostility and the hatred that so many of these escorts, the clinic escorts at the abortion clinic had for us. In Aurora, they'll normally be around two or three, and they don't really engage with you. At the Chicago one, there were almost 15, I would say at some points, and they were almost forcing the women into the clinic. There was one situation that I experienced where the mother basically forced her daughter to get an abortion in front of me and the, the woman getting an abortion she didn't really talk to me she was pretty quiet but I told the mother and the woman I was like would you guys like another option like I tell everyone who's going into the clinic and the mother said no this is her option in a way that didn't leave room for any questions or anything and the woman just kind of looked at me And then the mother basically pushed her into the arms of the escorts and they pushed her inside the door so if this is what a woman's choice looks like that doesn't look like a lot of choice to me she was being forced to have an abortion and this is something that i think we don't really understand or we don't like to look at how much it happens uh we like to just comfortably say oh it's a woman's choice and the thing is sometimes it is but behind every choice, there's a reason. And I think that if we address the reason that the women are getting abortions, then we can really fix the problems.
0: Absolutely. And I know it can be so difficult, sidewalk counseling in general, being face-to-face with those people who are forced into those situations. I mean, if you're being forced into that situation, you're probably a minor to begin with. And, um, you know, as families we're supposed to be there to support each other and everything. And when your mother is forcing you basically to get an abortion, I know you were saying when you went through that, that she just had this look of complete sorrow, this girl that had to go in to get the abortion. Yes. And it just blows my mind how people think that's the choice but they're making that choice for that woman you know and she doesn't actually have a decision in it and that's the unfortunately the the sad truth of most of this is um a lot of the women don't have a choice actually they're forced into it by their boyfriends their family um the people who actually you know rapists and things of that nature and it's very sad um but what are some things that you've learned while sidewalk counseling and been going through this movement
1: um i think i've learned that there are just every woman who's in this situation is experiencing some some sort of difficulty i've never seen or talked to a woman going into this situation who thinks her life is great this is going to solve all her problems it's there, they always have some sort of desperate need, whether it's their boyfriend left them, their boyfriend is forcing them to get an abortion. Um, They don't have any family to support them. They think their family would kill them if they found out. There's always something that is almost forcing the choice. And so I think that it's really, even on the pro-choice side, it's the easy way out to tell these women, just get an abortion, you know, just get an abortion. It's not addressing the other issues that need to be addressed in our society, such as um, one of the big ones I've noticed personally with the women I've talked to through sidewalk counseling, through pregnancy counseling, there are so many unfortunate situations where the men just aren't acting like men. They leave, they push the woman to get an abortion, they threaten to leave. Um, It's just unacceptable because the man is supposed to be the one protecting the woman. And in these situations, he's doing the exact opposite. And it's really, really hard. I can't even imagine how hard it would be to be in that situation where my boyfriend, the person that I'm supposed to love the most or my husband is the one who's telling me to kill our child. Like that kind of pressure is something that I've seen so often and something that honestly, I didn't really think happened as much. I thought it might be more of the parents or just the woman in general. But so often it's the boyfriend sending sending mean, threatening texts, get this abortion, otherwise I'm gonna leave you. Or get this abortion, otherwise, if it's an abusive boyfriend, sometimes it's get this abortion, otherwise I'm gonna try to file for custody of the child, which scares the mother even more. Um, It's just really sad how much I've seen that because before really talking to these women, I didn't really think this is as much of a thing.
0: No, absolutely. And I think we experience it firsthand when we get involved in the pro-life movement, because we're actually there with those women. And it reminds me of, unfortunately, you know, they're getting a divorce now, but Kim K and basically, um, her husband and he was there. Um, Oh, his, his name's slipping me at the moment, but, um, gosh, you guys will know who I'm talking about, but, um, Kim Kardashian and oh my gosh, his name's living me. But anyway, and so she was pregnant and, uh, he was basically telling her to get an abortion, to take these abortion pills. And she had the pills in her hand. And then she was talking to him about how, you know, this is a child and he's, she, or he is growing in me and it's a life. And, um, She didn't end up taking the pills and he regretted ever asking her till this day. Unfortunately, of course, they're going through a divorce. That's a huge thing that's blown up all over celebrity media. But that kind of thing happens all the time in celebrities, in everyday life. Um, And it's just very sad to see. And I know these mothers are in need and they need this assistance and they need help. So what are some ways we can help these mothers in need who could be contemplating abortion?
1: Well, there are a lot of things. So I think a lot of people know women who have either considered abortion or, um, or have had an abortion. They know them in their own families, in their own lives. And I think a lot of us don't even realize that we know them. Maybe they won't talk to us about it. So I think being really open about the fact that us as pro-lifers, we want we want these women to be happy. We want them to find healing, especially after they've had an abortion. That's very important. And also one big thing I've noticed recently is uh, plan B. So plan B is abortion. Plan B is not contraception. It's abortion. It kills the child after the sperm and the egg have connected. And I think a lot of, especially people my age and younger think, oh, I can just go to the store and uh, buy plan B for $50. And that's, first of all, less expensive than an abortion, um, less messy. This is kind of the same thing with the abortion pill. It's just so easy that we've become desensitized to it. And I think that um, realizing that, the thing is when you take plan B, it, um, it harms, it harms your body, especially if you take it so many times, it rips, what it does is it rips down the lining inside the soft lining for the baby to lay, to lay on. So it can even cause you to be infertile. So I think that there's just a lot of education that needs to happen. And obviously we need people to sidewalk counsel. Sidewalk counseling is something in the pro-life movement that I think needs to grow a lot. We need young people, especially because there are so many this this is like this is the groundwork of the pro-life movement in sidewalk counseling we need to be there for these women it's great to post about pro-life things i post all the time pro-life stuff uh it's great to work in pro-life organizations i do that all these things are wonderful but we also need to understand that the place that these women need the most help are when they are going in for an abortion this is the last chance we have to save the child and to save the woman from years and years of regret. Another thing is um, pregnancy counseling with Let Them Live. So Let Them Live is an organization that was started um, a few years ago and it's grown so much, especially during coronavirus because it's a national organization and it's basically based online. And so pregnancy counseling there, if if you have time, if you feel called, it definitely takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of commitment. But if you feel called to do that, I would encourage anyone to do that. You can look them up on Instagram, let them live. Um, but yeah, I think it's just important to realize, and I have to remind myself this too, that yes, there's always going to be things going on in your life. You're always going to have an excuse as to why you can't get up on a Saturday morning and go sidewalk council. But it's often the difference between life and death. Like, and the other thing is, we don't know how many babies we really saved, especially like last Saturday, we don't know how many babies we really saved. We don't know how many women drove away because they saw us there. And it's been proven that women do. When you see a strong presence of pro-life people, when you see a strong presence of people anywhere, outside of anywhere, a woman who's already scared to death is not going to put herself in this situation, surrounded by people. She's not going to want that. We don't know how many women we saved that day just by being there. Not Maybe not even talking to anyone, just by being there. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Our presence is so powerful. And I know I was standing on the bridge. Yes, I you were standing
1: on the bridge. Yeah.
0: And I was waving and there were people flipping us off, but we had more than likely a lot more people actually giving us thumbs up and honking in a very helpful way. There were actually some teenagers right. who were hanging out the car, like sitting on the window and waving at us from like out the car. And That's I'm
1: like, awesome.
0: It was just so cool. Obviously it was dangerous, would not suggest, but I just, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. And they were teenage boys and Mm. then it was just so cool. But, um, the other thing is, is I know that the cops were called on us,
1: right? They were.
0: (laughs) Yes. And guess what? We didn't do anything illegal. And the, the, yeah, the escorts will try to make it look as though, you know, they'll try to, um, dramatize the situation to the police and be like, oh, they're being this or that. And we have that bubble law where we cannot approach somebody in eight feet, but we can stand where we are at and actually talk to them. And um, so it's just this whole like thing where the escorts and the pro-choicers in a sense are bullies and they try to get their way through intimidation. And I think that's one of the differences is between true pro-choicers you know and true pro-lifers is that we will i guess in a sense we will actually reach out to people and be like hey you know you have a choice like we can help you like we are open to them even the pro-choicers who are ridiculing us and and yelling at us i know one was bullying you because you were actually emotional during a, a time
1: yeah they that's the other thing they they don't have they don't have any filter they will they will say anything and a lot of it is just attacking your person because a lot of them i don't think really know like really know anything about about people who are pro-life about any any of that side it's attacking your person attacking how you look attacking what you're doing and it's just it's it's really sad to see because especially if we don't fight back we, we don't need to fight back because they're not saying anything useful, you know, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: you know, I just, it's just such a big issue these days. It's like people are constantly, you know, just fighting with each other and they're not actually willing to sit down and have a conversation.
1: Right. That's, that's the sad part. My, my one friend who was there, you know, really, really wanted to have conversations with these people. She tried so hard. They won't talk to you. They won't talk to you, no matter how nice you are, no matter, we were saying, see, we're both volunteers here. The clinic escort was a volunteer, we are volunteers. Why can't we talk to each other? Because we're both passionate about what we do. But The thing is, they don't wanna talk. They don't wanna engage in any communication.
0: Exactly, and it's just, it blows my mind how, you know, we are so open to communicating with them, but they are so closed off. And, um, I think it comes from conviction. I truly do. I think they do know that in a sense, abortion is wrong. They know that it's wrong, but maybe they had some traumatic experience in their life that caused them to become, um,
1: in a sense, protective and kind of, um, exactly. Yeah. And so, and and closed off. Yeah. So many of them, I think are just so hurt. They're so hurt from the experience. You can see by the way, by the way they talk by just, they just have anger in their eyes. And you know, it's really sad because we, if they're hurt, we want them to get help. We want them to get healing, but they're, you can just tell that they're just so, so upset. So maybe they've been hurt by people who are even pro-life, but most likely so many of them are post-abortive. So many of them, or know people who are post-abortive. And for that reason, they don't even want to talk to us. They don't want to hear what we have to say. Because the thing is they know also, for the most part we're not going to lash back at them we're not going to say anything that could get us in trouble because we know that the stuff they say the stuff this, they were saying it was profane it was disgusting it was horrible and but if we said things back like that you know they possibly would try to report us do any sort of that that stuff so we they know we're not going to do that but it doesn't stop them from doing that to us
0: yeah absolutely and i think in a way they try to justify to themselves that this is how they get healing this is how you know right they, they basically shout their or this abortion. is how they can get
1: back that exactly this is how they can get back at pro-life by exactly community. and it's sad because um we were, there were a lot of us like 19 to like 23 year olds right mm-hmm. there on saturday and these women are like 60 years old yeah like that that's my grandma's age <laughs> It's really it's really sad that they're talking to teenagers in these vulgar ways. It's yeah. very low.
0: Absolutely. And I think in a sense people don't talk about that post-abortive, you know, issue where I mean there's an increase in suicide in post-abortive mothers. There's an increase in night terrors and exactly. developing eating disorders and anxiety and these people need not just therapy but post-abortive Therapy and not just the women, the men too, the men who have Mm -hmm. gone through this, whose children have been aborted, and maybe they didn't have a say in it, maybe they did. But whenever I see a man give me the finger for holding a pro life sign, I can only think, like, what did he do? Did he maybe lose a child to abortion, or did he drive his girlfriend or wife to an abortion clinic and now he's feeling conviction? And it just blows my mind. And, you know, there's so many issues that lead to abortion, but from your experience, what do you think are some of the main issues?
1: So as I mentioned before, I think at least recently, I think there are, have been so many um, problems with men encouraging their girlfriends or their wives to get an abortion because that's what they think would be easier it'd make their lives easier. That is just, the, that makes me mad, more mad than anything else. because. First of all, women in this situation are not going to be strong. They're struggling no matter what side they choose. So they need their boyfriend, their husband, who the most important person in their life, they need them to support them in keeping the child. And so often, if a woman gets, I've heard so many stories where where the boyfriend will tell the woman to get an abortion if if she wants to keep their relationship, right? And then a month later, they'll break up because... How are you supposed to continue with a relationship if you both took part in killing your child? How are you supposed to justify that? The woman's gonna be a mourning no matter what she says. So it, it, hurt, it hurts a woman no matter what they say to have part of their body ripped out of them, to have a different, or not part of their body, to have something inside of their body ripped out of them, their child. Yeah. It, that women are not that insensitive, you know?
0: Absolutely. And I know there was a study, I can't specifically remember the exact term, but basically the, the cells of a child that you have are in the mother forever, basically until she dies. And there's particle cells in the child from the mother, obviously, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's staying there forever. And so there have been so many stories of women who have, um, you know, gone through an abortion or maybe were lied to and took plan B and you know how that goes. Right. And, um, and they end up having these night terrors about their children being aborted and everything. And it goes on for years and years and years. And sometimes the only yeah. defense that they have is to close up and become hateful because that's the only thing they have to hold on to when really they need God
1: and healing right. and community. Well, right. And they don't know what else to do and no one else. And the thing is, even though, even with Shout Your Abortion, all this stuff, abortion is still a taboo topic, mm-hmm. especially morning after abortion. It's not, and that's, that's the interesting thing. Um, so I don't know if you heard, but Chrissy Teigen, who I forget who her husband is, but he's somewhat important. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last, last year she had a miscarriage and it was this big thing where she mm-hmm. was, she was posting on Instagram about, she posted this one picture of her sobbing after the miscarriage. And she continues to post, it's been six months, about how much this affected her. And that is such an important thing, because normalizing um, grief after miscarriages will start to normalize grief after abortions, because in both ways, the, ba- the baby died. I mean, in one way, the baby was killed, in the other way, the baby died. But I think that's so important, is to normalize that grief, because that that is a real thing. We see it, we hear about it, and it's just, it's just so taboo. Absolutely. And I think especially in today's world,
0: even grief is considered taboo. We are seen as just like, oh, just get on, get over it. And if you cry, or if you do anything like that, you're seen as weak. And I think normalizing human emotions, these beautiful emotions that God gifted us with is also another step in that direction is we can feel happiness. We can feel, you know, love and all these things. And I feel like with the masks and everything that we're forced to wear constantly, it's really divided us a lot because we cannot share our emotions, which are smiling. Now everybody's just scowling or anything because there's a mask on. And so like, what's the Mm -hmm. point of even trying to communicate with someone through facial expressions? When Mm -hmm. I, before COVID, I would always smile at people constantly. Yeah. And now that I'm even in my car when I'm not wearing my mask and stuff like that, I still, I'll just be like, eh, whatever, you know, like, what's the point? And Mm -hmm. I think it's affecting us emotionally in that sense. So I totally agree with you there. And it's just very dehumanizing in a sense.
1: Yes, definitely. And I've noticed that too, especially when I was, when I've been at the clinics, um, at the Aurora clinic, wearing a mask is not so, um, it's not so required. I mean, we like, we have it on our face, but I don't really wear it on my mouth there, but in Chicago, it's just, you had to wear it on your face. Like, um, and it's really hard to, to smile at the women, to let them see, They, they can't tell how old you are, like who you are, you know? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, you can wave, but there's something about a smile that is definitely different.
0: Absolutely. And I think a smile can really soften hearts as usual um do you have any tips for anyone
1: going into sidewalk counseling or who want to get involved in the pro-life movement yes so actually definitely get trained I'm actually looking into it right now because I have a lot of friends who want to get trained and I'm not sure how the trainings are going on with with COVID and everything I got trained through uh, I think it's called sidewalk advocacy um last year it's about I got trained in Indiana in Indiana they they come to your church or your some place and it's about, I think it's like a four to six hour training. It's pretty intensive and it's just really good because they give you a lot of scenarios, a lot of stories. Um, But I would definitely suggest getting trained before you sidewalk counsel. That doesn't mean that you can't go to the clinic and still pray. But I think if you're going to sidewalk counsel, if you're going to talk to the women, you should get trained. Uh, The other thing is definitely check out the laws or talk to someone who knows the laws of the specific abortion clinic before you go. Because there's different rules on where you can stand, what, like, how you can talk to the women, all this stuff. And also because the clinic escorts will not tell you the truth about anything, about the laws. They'll tell you you're breaking the law no matter what you're doing. And that's not true.
0: Yeah, so that's the advice I'd give
1: people. Absolutely. But I think it's very, very important to go be there. And it's definitely uncomfortable. It's definitely something that some people will be like, well, I'm just not strong enough to do that. And if you, if you don't think so, like that's, that's all right. I mean, I would definitely say pray about it, but, (laughs) but, but if you're going to do it, then I think you need to be all in and you need to, you need to know your stuff or at least try to know your stuff. There's really, it's really not that hard, but it's emotionally draining, you know?
0: Absolutely. I know I was, when when we went on uh, that day, Saturday or whatever, I was, I was talking to um, Chris and everybody who I was with. And I was just like, I would crumble into a ball and cry. If I had to side- sidewalk council,
1: Right. And the hardest thing is when the women go in, you know, when you've been talking to the women and then they go in and you're like, wow, you tried. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, like cool. you wish that you could do something else, but at this point there, there's nothing to do. Yes. And
0: I think the best thing is planting that seed because maybe in the future they'll rethink, you know, and they'll right. get that healing.
1: Right. And it's, it's just being loving. That's the other thing. If, I think if you're going to be there, you need to make sure you have control of your emotions because the worst thing you can do is get mad at the women, get mad at the clinic escorts because you know they're going to get that on video. They're going to use that to um, say that the pro-life movement is, um, is mean, is attacking women, all this stuff. Um, make sure that you can keep your, emoti- or your emotions, at least your anger issues <laughs> or whatever, and make sure you can keep that in check. Crying. I I cried on Saturday. I haven't really, I haven't really cried before during, during an encounter, but there's times when it's just, you can tell it's just so wrong. It's just so evil. And you're just like, what, what am I supposed to do about this? You know? Exactly. Absolutely. And you know, there's so many
0: struggles that those women face. Um, But what struggles have you faced throughout the
1: pro-life movement have you lost friends family oh yeah I mean there's been a ton there's one story I like to tell in high school one of my best friends for four years we she was pro-choice and we had conversations about this all the time it was it was great you know we listened to each other's side we were both I was super pro-life she was super pro-choice uh, one time, I think it was junior or senior year, we did a whole huge presentation about Roe v. Wade, like the, the case that legalized abortion in America. And we, we looked through all the facts, we did all this stuff, we went through this all together. We had our analyses. we did different analyses um, on our different viewpoints. And at the end, um, we did the presentation together and we stayed friends. So fast forward to after high school, and our teacher thought that was amazing that two people with such different views could do that. After high school, this year actually, we we would still talk. You know, she was she was in Michigan. She goes to a different school now, so we didn't wouldn't really see each other, but we would still talk. Um, and then I posted, I posted something pro life on my one of my social medias, which I do all the time, and she decided to talk to me about it. And she had changed so much. She was just, she was hostile. She said, I don't want to talk about this. If you believe this thing, then we can't be friends anymore. And I was like, wow, we've been friends for five years and you're just going to, you're just going to dismiss me like that just because I believe the same thing that I always have and am willing to talk to you about it. And she was like, yeah. So I think that one thing recently, and this has happened with so many other people, just not, not this crazy. Um, I think people either admire you, or they hate you in this sort of topic. They either, even if they have different beliefs, they admire that you're standing for something, or they just despise it and they can't understand it. Um, And I think this year, with all of the polarization, it's just gotten worse. It's just gotten people, people don't want to hear it. If you disagree with them, they don't want to hear it, which is really sad. But I still, I still have some people who I'm friends with who disagree with me, and we still have conversations on it. I think it's important though to not, not give up what you believe in because of other people, and right. or or to compromise because of other people. Because the thing is, if you start saying, "Oh, yeah, I'm pro life, but I'm not going to talk about it with these certain people," well, then you're going to not talk about it with a lot of people. It not that you have to push it on them. You never push it on someone. You should never push it on someone, but the conversation should always be there. It should, it should not be a taboo topic. And yeah, I have family and friends who are pro-choice, but they know that I'm pro-life and they know that I'll talk about it. And they know that if they bring something up, I'm going to give my opinion on it, you know, in a gentle manner.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know it's, it's so difficult. I'm sorry, my cat just jumped on my lap. So if you hear some meowing, (laughs) let's eat it. Um, But no, I think that's so true. I mean, how many of us have lost friends? And honestly, I think that's so important is like you can have pro-choice friends, absolutely. But there needs to be this mutual respect for each other and for each other's beliefs. And if that respect isn't there, they're not going to respect you in any other area of your life. Exactly. So so why keep that friendship going if that's how they're just going to act? Um, I know I had a pro-choice friend for the longest time. We drifted away for just you know, natural reasons, just nothing really uncommon anymore, just kind of you know, naturally drifted. But we never saw each other as our political views or anything like that. We saw each exactly. other as equal humans who had different opinions and we were willing to talk that out. Exactly, exactly. And I think we're missing that humanity nowadays, especially in like, you know, taboo topics like abortion. We're missing that humanity where we're willing to actually talk about things. I know I've lost a lot of guy friends, actually, because of this topic. Um, and, and on the topic of men, like, how, do, how does abortion affect
1: men? So this is something I'm very passionate about because I think it's very, um, it's very taboo for men to talk about abortion. And I think that it's also taboo for men to go sidewalk council. But I think it's very, very important for men to be there to show that they have have a voice. And so actually, when you asked this question, I decided to ask one of my friends, one of my friends who is a man, um, his take on it. And so I'll just, I'll read you what he said, because I think he worded it very well. So I asked him what, what abortion, what effect abortion has on men, or what he's, what he's seen in his experience and in his life being a man. So he says, it really does have an impact on a man's emotional state. What I've personally seen in today's culture are a lot of men viewed as guys who are potentially pro-choice or do not want to face the responsibility of, the child or to push the girlfriend. Many people don't realize that there's actually a vast majority of men who do care about the life of the child. And just as a woman, they're scared and don't know how they're gonna be able to handle the situation. If they are given guidance, he says, he thinks that they would ultimately be pro-life and want to keep the baby. Um, He then goes on to explain how it hurts the man's feeling, the saying, my body, my choice, because he says, It should be both of the choices. It takes two individuals to create life, so men should have a say. And because of the agenda of pushing for pro-choice, men are being pushed into the darkness and the voices of men who actually care and want to keep the baby, they are very much hindered. This really does have a negative effect. It degrades the man's masculinity because as a man, we search for women and the ultimate goal is procreation. When you take away the power of choice for what a woman does to the baby, you also take away their sense of masculinity. It makes them feel degraded. And I think that could lead men to questioning this at times the significance they have in the child's life when they don't even have a say on if the child should be born or not. So I thought it was very interesting, the point that he made a few of the points, but the the main point that he made at the end about how if we are saying that men don't have a choice in the child's, in the child living, then why should men feel like they need to be a part of the child's life? You know, if they didn't even have a say on whether or not this child was going to live, then why should men have a part in the child's life as it grows up? And we obviously know that the father's role in the child's life is so important for development. And so if it takes two to create a child, then why do men have absolutely literally no say at all in whether or not the child can live? Um, so yeah, I thought he worded that really well. So I wanted to use that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. And I do believe it's, it's like, we need more men like St. Joseph in the world. Um, and it's the year of St. Joseph. So if you haven't gone and done that St. Joseph, uh, consecration consecration yet, yeah, definitely go do that. I think I'm on day like 20 or something like that. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think it's just so important that we have men. I mean, look at St. Joseph. He was basically, I mean, he was the father of Jesus, but he was the foster father and he took on this responsibility of this child and taking care of our lady Mary. And, and he just took on that responsibility like a man. And even though they had to go into Egypt for, you know, who knows how long, and there were robbers and he had to protect his family and he had to find a job, um, and, everything like that. I think he's just a great example for men and what men should be and what women should look for to complement their femininity.
1: Exactly. And I think that um, it's very important to address the issue of men protecting women, because if a man is going to have a serious girlfriend or wife, if, if he's going to have relations with that woman, everyone knows that there's there's a potential for a child there and so by making that choice you're making you're saying that you're ready to have a child so it's very a very the greatest shirking of a responsibility that you could do to then tell the the woman to abort the child to basically say i just took on this responsibility and now i'm just gonna leave it i'm just gonna throw it away and he's also he's also partially responsible for the woman's mental health then too, because the women grieve from miscarriages. Women grieve so much from miscarriages, even though it's very taboo. The pain of an abortion is like a hundred times that because it's not just that the child died, it's that you killed the child. And so men, men are gonna have to deal with this now, with the woman grieving for the loss of the child that the man wanted to kill, you know? That's why I, it's just so important. I think it's so important for men to be involved, for men to speak out, because even though they're yes, they're going to be ridiculed, they're the ones who need to be doing this. They're the ones who need to be protecting women and speaking out. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And I totally agree. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if I was in that situation, like I put myself in that situation, like obviously I wouldn't, but you know, if- I put myself mm-hmm. in these women's situations and I'm, I'm with my boyfriend, you know, and everything. I would I want know. him to give me that support and justification, not just be like, oh, we'll do whatever you feel you want to do. Actually exactly. be like, no, like I'm here to protect you. Like I helped in this. We're in this together. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. And even though I know that situation wouldn't arise because my boyfriend and I are very strict on, you know, stuff That's like fine. that, but I'm just put myself in these women's shoes. And I'm just like, why would you be with a man in the beginning who would not have that protection over you Mm -hmm. and not have that, you know, real provider type of instinct where it's just like, no, we're keeping the kid. Like, I will help with this. Like, this Mm -hmm. is not always on you. Cause at the end of the day, parenting is a two person job. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know wonderful, wonderful people who have done just single parenting you know just them and they they do a wonderful job and sometimes it's not their fault like it's circumstances their husband died they're
1: mm-hmm.
0: away at military like there's all these things but i think that's just important so just to wrap up here um you know do you think abortion will be abolished in our lifetime
1: well so i think i hope so obviously i'm very hopeful there are so many young people who are pro life so many young people who are speaking out against this Um, I think that it's, it's, there's so many young people who are sort of coming out about their pro-life views who maybe had pro-life views before, but were afraid to say anything. And now the fact that it's just such an important thing, I hope that it will be abolished in our lifetime. I don't know. There are so many different theories on it, I really don't know. But um, one, one quote that I love that uh the director of let them live emily, emily burning says and it might be from someone else too i just know it from her is whoever saves one life saves the world entire so what we're what we need to be focused on right now i believe especially in this time in america is not necessarily well we should be focusing you know on trying to overturn roe v wade but overturning roe v wade isn't going to solve all the problems it isn't going to stop all the abortions we have a long way to go for sure and we need to be focusing on that but we also just need to be focusing on every woman who comes into our life, every woman who we see who needs help on helping them in particular, and in turn, possibly saving children. And that, I think that's the most important thing that we can do as pro-life work right now.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. I totally agree. Thank you so much for being here, Savannah. If you guys want to follow Savannah on Instagram, you can follow her at Savannah Dudzik, which is... Um, S-A-V-A-N-N-A-H underscore D-U-D-Z-I-K. And yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is great, Amber. Thank you. So as you guys know, abortion is just one of the biggest problems surrounding our society today. It directly impacts human life and the family. We must keep praying and fasting for an end to abortion. So please, as ending, pray with me for an end to abortion in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Remember, O gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode, and I will talk to you guys in the next one. God bless. Questions or comments about today's episode, email me at the religious hippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash the religious hippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening to a Catholic's perspective with Amber Rose, The Religious Hippie. Please be sure and rate and review this podcast. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to like and follow The Religious Hippie on Facebook, or Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or visit her official website at TheReligiousHippie.com. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. And be sure to visit Metatomics.org to see our listings of other unique podcasts.